You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Johnston, and with me this week, we have Connor. Hello. And we have Mansell. Hello. And we're... This is this is a sequel. It's great. We're doing a sequel. So uh, a little while back, we talked about Hornet's Nest, uh, which was Tom Baker's big, exciting return to the role of the Doctor for the first time in a bit. We couldn't quite work out when it was. There was the Doctor Who night in 99, there was Dimensions in Time, etc. The Sharda video. Uh, But no, we've decided that it was Tom Baker's return to the role after quite a while. Um, And obviously, Hornet's Nest had a sequel series, Demon Quest. Had another sequel series, Serpent's Crest, but we'll do that another day. Right now, we're on Demon Quest. Um, so we are back to talk about that. So it's five stories. We're going to go through it episode by episode, and we're going to sort of talk about what we think of it. Um, so we'll we'll dive straight in. Um, so the first episode is The Relics of Time. And I quite like this one because it's sort of, it's kind of Mrs. Wibsey's first episode as a companion. She was there in the first series. She was certainly a sort of main supporting character, as it were. But this one's the one where she really sort of starts to feel like a companion and she travels in the TARDIS and she kind of starts off the whole event, set a series of events that lead to uh, the rest of the series and all that kind of thing. So it's it's a really, really good Wibsey episode. Uh, so, Connor, we'll go with you first. What did you think of the Relics of Time? Um, well, I thought straight away off the bat, as you said, this is Mrs. Wibsey's first episode as a companion, and she's wonderful in that role. Um, similar sort of vein to Evelyn Smythe and having an older woman, you know, as the Doctor's companion. It just it just works really, really well. It's something different than typical, you know, young 20-something companions, um, which certainly feels pretty pretty constant throughout the classic era um and you know susan jameson's just absolutely wonderful um i always love seeing her turn up in things or hear her turn up in things um one of my favorite tv shows ever is new tricks which she was a regular in um so i always am delighted to hear her in something um she turns up a couple of times in big finish things um and it's wonderful to hear her actually get to be a, a, a doctor who companion in this um but she's a great character um she's really really i was gonna say likable I, I i i like her i do like her a lot um but she's maybe not traditionally 
you know, likable in the traditional sense. Um, it's a wonderful role. Um, and I think, I think she's, I, th- I think, she, as I say, she's a great character. Little bit of a sort of box of delights feel to this story as well. Um, with the sort of going back to ancient Britain thing. And that's maybe, I'm maybe not quite making the connection between those as intended, but that's, I, I, I sort of associate that with let's go back in time and visit ancient Britain thing with the box of delights. So it's, it's a nice little vibe to tap into. Um, there's also something of a twist in this, where they discover that um, the 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 Emperor Claudius, or somebody masquerading as him, or him himself, is actually in possession of something very like a TARDIS. I love those reveals in Doctor Who, where you know the Doctor and his companions stumble on another TARDIS, and things suddenly seem to kick up a notch. The stakes raise up, um, in that sort of sense, um. So I really like that reveal, and I really like that twist. It's a great opener for the series. Um, it does feel a little more grounded and maybe a little less off the wall. I think the series as a whole feels like that compared to uh, Hornet's Nest. Um, but I still love that this run of stories carves out, as you know, is carving out its own little era, and it's not, um, you know, paying too much homage or too much um, sort of. Uh, lip service, I suppose, to other years of Doctor Who. It's just definitively its own little thing, and is much stronger for it. Yeah, I think it, it's it's fair to say that this has a very different feel to Hornet's Nest, and again, uh, Serpent's Crest is its own very different thing. Um, and it, it each series kind of plays with format a bit, and each series. Uh, does something different, has something different to offer. It's got its own identity. Um, and this one kind of immediately sort of sets out uh, what it's going to be in this episode, I think. And it's it, it's it's nice to sort of immediately recognise that there has been a little bit of a shift in tone and a shift in the Doctor and Mrs. Whipsy's relationship and all that kind of thing. Uh, Mansell, what are your thoughts on this first one? Uh, yeah, I echo what you both said, and uh, just lots of nice little touches. Uh, Mrs. Wibsey, we've mentioned already, but it's it's not just her, it's the dynamic she has with Tom Baker's Doctor as well. It's just really, uh, yeah, natural. They just fall into that Doctor-Companion relationship very, very easily. Um, and, yeah, uh, and I like those little sort of, uh, sort of storytelling, fairy tale type touches like the sort of opening narration from the doctor it's not word for word but it's almost like uh the kind of like grand language from the song i am the doctor and he's talking about uh, him coming back to this cottage and from voyaging time and space and yeah oh and there's a what i noticed as well there's a really nice little moment in this first episode that comes back or in a subtle way later on and it's a bit where mrs Wibsey's talking about being homesick for her own era and you look at that in isolation and it's just a a sort of example of you know the doctor being a bit blunt and not quite getting human emotions and sort of saying no no you have to stay here there's nothing for you back where you came from um but then that gets picked up in the final episode and comes back around um in a nice way so um yeah really really strong opening yeah, it's um, it's got that great feel of it. Sort of does remind me of a little bit of uh, 
sort of like a Russell T Davis series opener, you know, your Smith Smith and Jones or Partners in Crime, that kind of thing. It's a bit, it's a bit Doesn't like waste any time. Yeah, don't waste any time. Get us going straight away. It's a little bit light all around, a bit light-hearted and not too heavy. It sets up for the rest of the series. We've got our sort of hook that's going to keep us uh, throughout there. Um, and it's obviously it's all happening in uh, present tense this time. We're following the action as it happens, whereas a lot of Hornet's Nest, we were kind of being told about what had happened up to that point by the Doctor and it was only really the last episode that arrived in the now whereas this is all happening as it happens I guess is the best way to put it um, but yeah it, it's a nice strong start it sort of plays around with uh, Romany stuff I really like the idea of uh, sort of the, the goddess Wibsentia and it's pretty obvious where that's going straight away it's quite funny um, yeah it's it's a great great fun little opening episode um, so we'll move on to uh, the Demon of Paris. Uh, I love the it's a funny thing to pick on, I suppose, but I love the cover to this one, which is obviously the sort of famous Lautrec illustration. But the Doctor is in it, and it's actually referenced in the story. And I think all the covers uh, of this series kind of play on something. I think I've got that right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a nice little little nod to a famous piece of artwork. This one. Um, so Connor, go ahead and talk about the Demon of Paris. Um, I really enjoy it, and I I I I like the I I get the impression that that sort of era for Paris, um, is maybe something of a pet era for Paul Mars, um, because it turns up again in um Big Finish uh, with the Muse of Fire, um. I think it's a great idea to go back and sort of do a Doctor Who story based around the inspiration for the fourth Doctor's costume. Um, with, as, as you say, that famous piece of artwork um, on, on the cover. So uh, that's a great idea for a Doctor Who story. Um, it's very cool to hear Mrs. Webbsey um, sort of connecting slightly more with, with Paris and uh, her, her being able... you. Know, I, I think she had wanted to visit Paris, or she was excited to visit Paris. Um, it was her sort of broadening horizons a bit in a way that she's more comfortable with and sort of can understand a bit more, um, rather than the TARDIS hurtling her off to, you know, miniaturizing her down and crawling around inside a zebra's brain or or uh, shooting off to ancient Britain, that sort of thing. Um, so that that's a big plus. So there's... there's um, some bizarre imagery in there as well with the cult of fourth doctors that turns up. Um, I quite like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. And again, it, it, it's, as I said earlier, it feels a bit more grounded and um, maybe not just as off the wall as a lot of the Hornet's Nest stuff was, but still retains a good bit of whimsy and um, slightly offbeat uh, elements that that I I would associate with Paul Mars writing. It's I'm working very very hard to not say Marsian, which I think I used about fifteen times in the Hornet's Nest episode. But yeah, that kind of it does kind of encapsulate all of that. Uh, Mansour, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I like this one, and 
it does yeah i definitely see that thing about it being a bit more grounded even just in terms of the like the threat and the like you, you get these like you know rotting corpses that are kind of like a sort of quite creepy but also quite real um unsettling bit of imagery cropping up in this one and uh i think a few of the other episodes you get like that that strand running through and um yeah and i liked the uh the accents so i think were just just the right like walk the line of uh kind of doing french because I, I sometimes feel like when you do um you know something set in another country but people are speaking english like sometimes it's best to just go with just english accents and let people use their native accents because they're not speaking the actual language anyway um but i think they do sort of just the right amount that suits the tone uh, of this story and uh yeah and i liked the um i think the mystery builds quite well over these five episodes and talking about how it does have a different feel and identity from hornet's nest like spoiler for the last episode of this run of five but i did not see the return of the hornets coming because this does feel like a different thing and it's not i mean when you go back and look there are clues but it's not i i thought it wasn't like really obviously telegraphed that this is just going to be a returning villain coming back um so yeah uh uh enjoyed this one and um and i think this sets up mike coming back in for the third episode doesn't it they have like a the answer phone message from him at the end which was a nice little touch because i was wondering where where he was or whether he was going to be a major part of this series um so yeah i was happy to see him come back in the next one as well he's kind of um hinted to be returning throughout these first two but i actually quite like the fact that we get some just dr and mrs Wibsy time uh, yeah. Without without Mike in this, he's you know he's still there, he's still present. He, is it like is he via a voicemail or something? In this one, yeah, I think it sort like of swaps that. the dynamic, like it yeah. sort of reverses the dynamic from the last one because in that one, Mike was primarily the companion, and yeah, Mrs. Wibsey was kind of in the background. But then in these first two episodes, it's the other way around. Mike's not there or on a, on a voicemail message, and Mrs. Wibsey is front and center. Yeah, and it, it just it gives us a bit of time to get to know her a bit better, and she's, I think she has mellowed a bit since the first series as well. She's a bit less, less grumpy oh, yeah. with the Doctor, a bit less brash, and it's. I think she's retained like just enough of her like edge and like slight bit of grumpiness and aloofness, but as like yeah, you, you can tell that she's mellowed a little bit. I suppose it's kind of comparable to how. Donna shifted slightly between Runaway Bride and Partners yeah. in Crime. It's just a, that just sort of subtle retooling of a character, I guess, to just kind of make them fit into that companion role. And I mean, Mrs. Wibsey's still so far from being a traditional sort of companion. Uh, I suppose Donna is as well when you think about it. But um, it, it it really does just sort of give us chance to get to know this kind of new Mrs. Wibsey, the one that is now the Doctor's companion and travels in TARDIS. And I kind of like that the whole, the start of the series has kind of come from her being sort of a bit kind of comedically dipsy, ditzy. Yeah. And it's kind to, of to co- led into all of this. 
Yeah, and, and to compare another TV era, I would have really liked to have seen that with Yaz and the 13th Doctor to have them have a bit of time on their own before someone else comes back in because the dynamic changes when you have like one companion on their own with the Doctor and it's nice to explore that sometimes. Well, that's what Big Finish is for. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> um but yeah, it's so far we've had two sort of really great, strong episodes that have sort of focused on Mrs. Wibsey uh, a lot more. And am I right in thinking that um, uh, the uh, the demon of Paris is actually told from Mrs. Wibsey's perspective? She's the narrator, isn't she? Have I got that right? I think so yeah, because we yeah, cause each, yeah. each episode here has a different narrator, or the narrators change up a fair bit. And I'm sure this is Webseys. I'm trying to remember now. Um, anyway, we'll move on. And we'll move on to A Shard of Ice, which is, now that we've had two stories of Mrs. Wibsey the, as the companion, uh, she kind of disappears from this one a little bit. And this is the Mike Yates story, um, which I really like. We get a proper Mike Yates travelling in the TARDIS as a companion story which I know Big Finish have done it a couple of times since, but it was it was a fairly new thing when this first came out. Um, so, uh, Connor, over to you again, Shard of Ice. I really like this one. It, it feels um, like it's playing in a sort of Grimm's Tales uh, sort of sandbox, which is... Uh, a wonderful atmosphere and a wonderful uh, aesthetic, I suppose, to go for. Um, you do get that. I, I really love wintry settings and really, really, like, if you do, you know, Doctor Who in a blizzard is it, it just appeals to me for reasons I can't quite describe. But um, I love that sort of setting. Um, and gravitate towards it quite a lot, so it's very, very welcome here. Um I like the Doctor and Mike as a bit of a change in dynamic. Um, the only story I think that we had that was the Doctor and Mike the whole way through the adventure in Hornet's Nest was the last episode. So this feels a little bit... It, it feels like it's not just breaking the mould of this series, but also from the first series as well, um, which uh, I, I, I enjoy and, and I think it works very effectively here. Um, Albert's a great sort of guest character where um, he has he's, he's, he's a slightly pathetic character um, in that he's plagiarised all of the stories that he's claimed to be his own um, and the doc or he, he, he wants the, the doctor has a, a copy of his books and he wants to take the short way route and just copy them out of that and sort of short circuit time in a way I guess by uh stealing his own ideas from his own book from the future. Um, and the doctor absolutely refuses to give him, give it to him. Um, that's a great, that's, that's a really great little exchange. So, uh, yeah, I really, really like this one. Um, what about you, Mansell? Uh, I like this one as well. Um, and I've just noticed a little bit of trivia. I was just like the other day, sort of musing that it would be cool if big finish got, um, June Hudson in to do some alternative covers for, some of their Tom Baker stories. And I've just seen that she did the cover for this story. Um, so there's like a version of it on the front cover and then there's like a, a larger version of it inside the um, uh, the, the liner notes. Um, so yeah, that's a, a fun little detail. 
Um, yeah, again, uh, I think, like I was saying before, I think the mystery sort of builds quite rapidly. Um, it sort of moves at pace and you kind of get this next reveal and next step of, um, uh, of um, uh, sort of uh, understanding uh, who this uh, this person is that Albert's been uh, in contact with. Um, yeah, I uh, don't have much more to say on it. Uh, I was wondering whether Albert was based on a particular real author or not. Um, I don't know if either of you had any thoughts, uh, but I couldn't spot any specific links to, uh, or any obvious links to any real authors. Uh, so maybe he's just a completely original creation, not referring to anyone. I have to admit, I've never been able to pick sort of anyone in particular out. Well, I think sort of Connor was on the right lines with sort of, sort of Grimm's fairy tales type stories, that kind of thing. It's it's a bit sort of folk tale in a way, isn't it? So I imagine that perhaps it's sort of a, a personification of that kind of idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I've never been able to sort of look at it and go, "Oh yeah, it, it's it's based on that person or whatever." Um, yeah. But I, I I do like the way it's done. I like the fact that we have uh, Albert as a sort of guest narrator, as it were, yeah. uh, for chunks of this. And and Mike works really well in this one. And I, I'm trying to think back, and I think was that the original original concept for Nest Cottage having the Brigadier instead of Mike um, is that, have I made that up? Or is I that, don't is that know whether that's confirmed but it's it's definitely something that's been theorised right uh, what, what, if, if there's any truth to that I think going with Mike was I can't imagine the Brigadier working in quite the same way that Mike does in these stories, obviously they would have been written around him if um, if he'd been in them um, but yeah, Mike just seems to fit the dynamic with the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey really perfectly. I do quite like the fact that uh, these Nest Cottage stories, along with you know other stuff in Big Finish, has given Mike a kind of a new lease of life. Many many years later, um, you know, we have him kind of semi-returning to Unit and being forgiven and all that kind of thing in Big Finish and. We have him working with the Doctor in this. It's I, I do quite like it. I do quite like the fact that he got to have his... Um, he got to kind of make up for the past, make up the events of Invasion of the Dinosaurs. And I know that was done with Planet of the Spiders and it was never the character removed forever at the end of Dinosaurs. But it's definitely given him a much-deserved second lease of life here, which I think yeah. is great. Um, shall we head towards our next episode then which is starfall and it all gets a bit comic booky superhero-y um which is it's sort of a nice nice take on a kind of another kind of genre and uh it sort of continues the story quite well i quite like this one i think this is a lot of fun i think that it sort of really um does push things forwards and it just again it kind of it, it picks on a style you know we've had Grimm's fairy tales we've had the sort of the more grounded uh, stuff in Paris before and now we have a uh, a pretty solid superhero tale and it was 
Doctor Who does superheroes hasn't actually happened that much. Like off the top of my head, I can think of this and Return of Doctor Mysterio. Um, and it's I think both are examples of doing it very well, but I think that they're doing it in different ways. This is very much sort of more comic book based, whereas Mysterio is much more big MCU films type based. Um, so there's it's quite a unique Doctor Who story. This one is. Uh, so, Connor, what are your thoughts on it? I think uh, these days when you mention superhero pastiche, you know, I think if you'd mentioned superheroes full stop, a lot of people's minds, mine included, go straight to the Marvel films. Um, but I got more of a vibe from this one. That's, I feel it if, if, if uh, Shard of Ice was playing in a Grimm's Tales sandbox, this is playing it in a Christopher Reeve Superman sandbox. Um, that's the sort of production style and the production values I sort of imagined whenever I was listening to this. Um, and it works really, really well. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, the guest characters are all great. Um, I, I, I really like the, um, uh, sort of slightly capricious former actress who's, uh, ultimately ends up being the villain of the piece. I think that's a great... Uh, I think it's a great twist, and that was a great character and a great performance. Um, shit, that was very, very fun to listen to, um, and I, 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 I enjoy the visual of uh, the Doctor and Mrs. Wibsey, you know, sauntering through New York and through Central Park in a sort of. I don't know whether it was intentional or whether it was meant to be like that, but it reminded me a little bit of City of Death. Um, that's very fresh in my head. I did watch it recently. So again, that's perhaps me uh, seeing patterns and things that aren't there, but it does feel like a sort of New York American answer to city of death, which is just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely a, um, like you say, it, it's, it, it's not going for the big over the top MCU kind of thing. It's a, uh, it's still a very human story. I think it's still very, uh, sort of character focused like you say some of the characters are great and they are you know they're believable and they're real and uh there's some i'm using the word marzian again but there is some marzian stuff going on particularly with the the sort of aging actress character but um yeah it, it's that there's an awful lot to enjoy in here uh mansour what are your thoughts um yeah i thought the the actress the villain the antagonist was Lots of fun, just like a, a, a really sort of like arch camp performance. And uh, yeah, it's interesting, um, Connor, you mentioned like Superman, because I think there was a lot of that in Mysterio as well. And this this predated Mysterio by quite a bit, didn't it? This was like a few years before. Yeah, good. Probably five years or so. Yeah. And uh, like... For me, there's like a lot that connects the two stories, not just that they're like set in America and about ordinary people getting superpowers, but um, but I think Mysterio as well has a bit of a heart or like homage to like the Donna Superman films, um, uh, even if some of like the trappings are, are different and a bit more sort of visual and kind of referencing the MCU a bit more. Um, uh, but yeah, I think they're both... Uh, both good stories. I think like um, the, the the villain in this 
story like edges it out for me and kind of makes it a bit more of a uh, a sort of fun fun episode um and yeah i'm trying to think as well so this is the penultimate one isn't it that leads into the the final episode so again like i mentioned like the structure of how the five of these work together i think it just builds really well you get like uh you get plot threads and elements coming back in quite a sort of deft way and um nothing feels labored and it's just like it's not wasting time building to to the climax i do quite like the fact that there's a very very sort of simple format at the heart of this series it's very much pursue the bad guy and find the things um it, it's almost like an antique to time instead of finding all of these objects that put this thing together they're literally just looking for things of the doctors and following clues and you know the, the, this demon character keeps popping up every now and again it's it's a really really simple concept but the stories it leads off to are what makes it so special and so enjoyable and um yeah i i really do like this sort of take on on the superhero genre and as we say it does predate mysterio by quite a few years actually and you know when this was done superhero characters weren't at the sort of forefront of everyone's mind as much as they are now you know the mcu hadn't quite exploded into what it was going to be and we weren't getting three four five films a year plus series plus everything else um and yeah it it just kind of it, it provides a kind of nice i guess it's a more retro take on the uh, on the idea on the concept and it works it works quite nicely. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move into our finale and the the final episode Sepulchre is what obviously brings it all together and we do get that big sort of fantastic reveal that the hornets uh, are back they're behind it and I quite like the idea that after such a different series after this sort of going in a direction, all kinds of directions that you've never guessed from the first series, um, it does sort of come back to these these characters, these villains that have kind of become a little bit of a nemesis for the Doctor in the Nest Cottage Chronicles. And I like the fact that it does loop back round and it does link back to Hornet's Nest. And, you know, we get a lot of really, really, really powerful uh, character stuff with Mrs. Wibsey, which... You know, now because we've spent more time with her and because we now see her as a companion and because Susan Jameson's performance is just so bloody wonderful, um, it really hits hard. Like, it, it's it's a really, really powerful finale. I do think that even though this finale does... It, it doesn't differ massively from the finale of Hornet's Nest. I just think the stakes are massively raised purely because we've spent more time with these characters... Um, and of course we know the Doctor and of course we know Mike but it, it really is Mrs Wibsey that kind of makes this finale uh, for me and I love the direction that it goes in and kind of where it leaves her and how at the end of it all um, you know her and the Doctor have have definitely sort of advanced the friendship somewhat uh, so Connor talk to us about Sepulchre I must admit that the return of the Hornets did 
throw me quite a bit, and I might need to give this one a bit, you know, might need to re-listen to this one to maybe get the full benefit of it, because I was that surprised and that it, it, it did feel like it, it, it came out of the blue nearly. Um, that the Hornets were returned, I didn't actually realise how nostalgic I felt. Now, I only listened to this, I only listened to Hornets Nest for the first time around about a year ago. Um, and it, felt, it actually felt really good to hear them again and hear their whole sound treatment and Mrs. Wibsey's voice um, going all hornady. Um, I do definitely see, you know, what, where you're coming from when you say that this feels similar to the the first uh, series finale. Um, but it's a really good finale. And as you say, the stakes are, are, are much higher because we've spent more time Um it does feel almost like a betrayal when, when we hear Mrs. Wibsey back under the Hornets' control, um, which is just testament to how well you know she has been playing and performed um, and how we have been able to connect with her over the course of this series. So that's a big plus in that uh, regard. Um, so yes, I enjoyed it, as I say. Because it was that thrown by the Hornets' return, I do think I'll have to listen back through this one again um when we talked about hornet's nest i'd heard that series through twice um i've only heard this one once and i i, I often find I, I click with things a lot more on a second listen um the hornets the hornet reveal i i i i think i will appreciate a lot more um and the episode as a whole once i've heard it again going in expecting that um but uh, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic story, and it 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 ties up, um, it ties up the series very very well. I like how there are other just little callbacks to uh, Hornet's Nest in this. Like you know, there's a the, the Doctor has a message from uh, Ernestina Scott, who was you know main character in um, I think it was the second episode of the first series. And uh, it it just it just these little callbacks, these little things that kind of pull it pull you as a listener slowly back into that first series, into that world of Hornet's Nest. And it just kind of, I think it subtly, very subtly, prepares you for the Hornets coming back. I think it just kind of it doesn't so much drop hints as just sort of tonally takes you to the right place and prepares you for it. Um, and it, it's, I, I think it's a great little twist. I really do think that after the whole series has been something so completely different and it, it kind of does drag us back uh, to this. Uh, so Mansour, what are your thoughts on Sepulchre? Uh, I mean, well, the, the thing is that like it is a surprise and it is a twist and that in itself is welcome. Like it's a big difference between this and then like, you know, having a story that's called return of the Daleks and then at the end of episode one it's sort of played as a massive surprise that the Daleks are in it and whereas with this one like yeah you you, you don't see it and it sort of the, takes you the, by the Daleks are in return of the Daleks <laughs> so so like so there's that um and also I think um I did re-listen to it um a second time this week and uh I think there are nice little touches that you see looking back. And one of them is, and I don't know if I'm reading into this, but that moment I mentioned in the first episode of these five, when Mrs. Wibsey's talking about being homesick. And I think retrospectively, you can see that as a nice little hint or touch that like, you know, something's not quite right. Maybe she is just literally just homesick for, you know, the time that she grew up in. Um, But it also for me feels like, you know, something's not, 
not quite right with her or something's not sitting well with her uh, and, and and then retrospectively you can see that that's because she's been uh, infected by the, the hornets again um, and I think there is a there is surprise with the twist and there are stakes and there was a really uh, sort of fun little detail I noticed in terms of stakes um, where it's it's kind of like in story it's about Mike's point of view and he's saying oh well I've seen you know future doctors so I know that this one can't die and the doctor corrects him and says oh actually no like you know I'm not necessarily safe and that I thought that was like a really nice little nod to us as the audience who are listening to past doctors coming back to uh, you know be in new stories it was sort of saying to us well you know you, you can't it's it's not safe you can't rely on the fact that uh, everything's going to link up in terms of continuity and all these characters are going to be fine it was sort of saying well they, they might not be um so yeah uh really strong conclusion to the run and i haven't heard serpent's crest and excited to, to hear that next well, you can consider Serpent's Crest to be your, your homework because I do want to come back in a month or two and do a final episode about that. Um, and Serpent's Crest is my favourite of the three. I really, really, I mean, I really enjoy all three of them, but I think Serpent's Crest does just kind of manage to push through to another level of brilliance. Um, so just before we wrap up, I'm just going to kind of finish on asking you both uh, overall thoughts about this series. How does it compare to Hornet's Nest and that sort of thing? So, uh, Connor, do you want to go first? Yes, I do think overall, it's it, it, as, I, as I've said a couple of times there, it does feel a bit more grounded than Hornet's Nest. Um, it feels a little, maybe a touch more conventional in, in the sort of Doctor Who stories that it's that it's telling and that it's doing. There's, there's still, as I say, those little touches of, of Marzi and Whimsy. See, I've used that word now as well. Um, uh, Marzi and Whimsy and, and you know, s- sort of more offbeat elements. I think out of all of the stories, the, um, uh, the superhero one does feel the closest to the original Hornet's Nest run. Um, but that's not to knock the others at all. As I say, I really, really enjoyed Shard of Ice. Um, I'd, I'd definitely pinpoint that out as my favourite of the run. I think um, I, I, I want to point out, you know, me saying that it's gr- a bit more grounded and maybe a touch more conventional is not in any way a criticism. I think it really, really worked to settle into that more uh, after the um, glorious successes of, of uh, Hornet's Nest. Um, and it certainly put more a little bit more of a focus on the doctor and mrs Webbsey um as a as a tardis crew um so that's 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 a big plus i really really liked it um very different from hornet's nest but um absolutely on the same level as it uh, it was it was it was a joy to listen to and i'm looking forward to hearing the third series it's um yeah it, it, it's there's definitely something to look forward to with the third series because it, it sort of shifts dynamics again and it shifts its own format again. Uh, the third series is basically it, not entirely, but near enough drops the narration uh, and becomes essentially like a full cast drama. And it, it's just another take on it. 
um, there's there's a lot more Wibsy as well. Like she becomes even more companion like, and um, there's a lot to look forward to there. Uh, Mansell, what are your thoughts overall? Demon's Quest. How does it compare to Hornet's Nest? Uh, I do see the th- the thing about the shift in tone, um, but I don't think it's it, it's not a good or a bad thing for me. It just it's uh, well, it's a, it's welcome to have a bit of variety and try something slightly different. Um, and I think the thing that is important is that there's the tone and the story style shifts a little bit, but the characters. There's a lot of continuity in terms of what's being done with characters like Wibsy and this version of Mike and the Doctor, and um, and that feels like really coherent. Like, um, yeah, it all feels like of a piece. And I'm looking forward to that third series. I know there's a couple of like additional standalone um, CDs as well after that, um, but I'm a little bit sad that there's not more with this uh, this. TARDIS crew or this um, this set of characters because, uh, yeah I mean, you don't want to go back and uh, go back to the world too many times, but I would like a little bit more with uh, with these with these characters uh, so, yeah, hopefully there'll be something at some point. Is there anything in prose or like other media with Wibsy or So there's, off the top of my head there's the two other audio dramas uh, with Mrs. Wibsey, which are sort of in the style of Companion Chronicles, that kind of like their audio book readings. Uh, but then there's the Beyond the Doctor series as well, where there's, it's yes. made up of, uh, well, there's a few of a few releases, but Paul did four of them. Um, and the, the sort of finale to that is a Mrs. Wibsey story. And it, it's like, it's great. It's just so good to hear again. And it's so good to hear a, in a range tied in with uh, other companions as well. Because um, there's a Polly and Ben story and an Ian and Barbara story and a Bessie story, which is just wonderful. Like We we need yeah. to do an episode on those um, yeah, at some point one, as well. So. Uh, they're all exceptional. All four of them are just absolutely brilliant stories and they do make up this lovely little mini-series that say, Certainly, a, a suitable successor to the the uh, Nest Cottage stuff that we're looking at now. Um, well, we will we'll leave it there for now. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to coming back in a month or two and doing uh, Serpent's Crest with you both because, as I've said, it is by far my favourite of the three. Um, it, not to sort of uh, criticise these two that we've discussed already at all. They're very excellent. They're very good. But uh, Serpent's Crest really does just kind of push it up to the next level. And what we get at the end of it is what is essentially this. Um, it's kind of like if Paul Mars did a Russell T. Davis style huge finale. And it's just excellent. It's an amazing way to just sort of round off these three series. So I'm really looking forward to getting to that and discussing it with you. Uh, But for now, we will leave it there and we will say goodbye. Uh, So thank you very, very much for joining me, uh, Connor. Thank you very much. And thank you and goodbye to Mansour. Thank you. 
and we will be back for more spodcasting very very soon in fact we'll be talking about the 60th anniversary specials which is very exciting we'll be back to talk about the star beast next week goodbye now